The GameCube, GameCube was cool. Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. So anyway, uh, that's why I'm not allowed back at the Lego store again. But Mike, uh, part two of uh, the uh, the Raisin Bran uh, fiasco of last week, which we talked about, I finally have a little bit more sympathy for Jake, who of course we talked about, uh, had to suffer mm-hmm. through an entire box of Raisin Bran, minus the raisins. Yeah. Yeah. So this week I started off a new box of Raisin Bran, and I had always forgotten, because I get the big box of Raisin Bran, so you always forget that that first bowl of Raisin Bran has zero raisins in it. <laughs> yeah, the raisins are at the bottom. <laughs> they sink. Yeah, they definitely yeah. do sink. So I had a, my first bowl of Raisin Bran from this box the other night, and uh, there was only maybe two raisins in the entire bowl. So it was Not even two scoops, two raisins. Two raisins, yeah. They was really lacking on the raisin front there. Uh, it was it was not good. So I had to I was just thinking like I wonder how many bowls it would take before I realized like if every bowl was like this, like okay, something's up with this batch. Like how long would it take, <laughs> do you think? Maybe like after three bowls, if I'm still getting that ratio, I think I should probably call uh, Mr. Ke- Mr. Kellogg and find out what the hell is going on. <laughs> yeah, is there a number on the back of the back of the box that you can call like some of these games? Back of the case, maybe. That'd be funny. <laughs> I am not getting two scoops of raisins. I counted. Two mm. scoops of raisins in a Kellogg's raisin, raisin brain. <laughs> so good. <laughs> so good. I don't think they make those ads with that jingle anymore i also don't think they make raisin bran ads i haven't seen a raisin bran ad in since the since the first sims came out Ooh, that's a long time that's 2000 so it's been 21 years since you've seen a raisin bran ad yeah i don't know it's been a long time though can you think back to the last raisin bran ad you've seen no i'm trying to think back to the last serial ad i've seen in general well we we don't watch you know ytv yeah. Uh, as much as we used to and as much as we'd like but uh i actually did see i think it was lucky charms uh we were watching yeah. i was watching shrek 2 on tv a couple weeks ago good of course and oh great movie but uh there was an ad for lucky charms and that is not an irish accent i don't know what they're doing with the, the <laughs> i heard the accent. it's gotten worse it's so bad like it used to be you know somewhat like somewhat on and, mm-hmm. and now it's just they've given up yeah. The voice actor died, maybe? Maybe. But it's not even... I, whoever's doing the accent has clearly never spoken to anyone from Ireland before. <laughs> it's not even close. Yeah. Yep. Anyway. Speaking of voice actors, just uh, wanted to uh, to say uh, tribute to uh, Christopher Plummer, who died uh, last week. Uh, very sad, obviously. The great Canadian mm-hmm. uh, actor who is a voice actor in one of our favorite movies, Neil Up. Yeah. He played uh, Charles Muntz, I think the guy's name is. The old, the other old man. The evil old man. <laughs> it's just a bunch... Of, I love that movie because it's just a bunch of old men that are just... <laughs> and, and a dog. And a dog <laughs> that don't like each other. It's a really good movie. Heartfelt. Adventure is out there, of course. He ended up being the bad guy in Up. Spoilers. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, very sad. Christopher Plummer, Toronto-born actor. Um, mm-hmm. How old was he? He was in his 80s? Nin- 91. 91. 91. Wow. Yeah, him and, uh, him and Donald Sutherland have kind of had the same sort of career uh uh donald sutherland obviously another canadian icon canadian gem right uh and so i think donald sutherland's 89 and actually at one point i think both of them played the character of j paul getty uh christopher Plummer obviously famously played him uh to take over from kevin spacey Ah, okay after kevin spacey got me too they were like well we Mm. we need some actually christopher Plummer was ridley scott's first choice but they the, the studio wanted kevin spacey okay now no one wants Kevin Spacey. <laughs> <laughs> now no one wants. But yes, very, very sad to hear about Christopher Plummer, the great actor, passing away. Yep, yeah, he'll be missed greatly in movies. I actually watched a couple of movies last year when the pandemic just started. I was trying to watch a movie a night throughout the month mm-hmm. of April. Worked out fairly well. 
But uh, one night I watched Knives Out, which is a really good movie. Uh, yes, where he plays the the uh, the kind of patriarchal yep. uh, father or the, grandfather. The owner of the mansion, of course. And then the next night I watched that animated film Nine. Do you know that one? Yeah, I do. I've never seen it, though, but I know it. Very good. It looks like a Tim Burton film, but it's not. Or yes. It, it might be produced by him, but it's not like a true Tim Burton film. But he's, yeah. he's voices in that movie, too. So oh. I just happened to watch two Christopher Plummer movies back-to-back nights. Just just so happened. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, that's a really good movie, though. Highly recommend it, especially if you're a fan of the, the any kind of video game like Little Nightmares coming out this week. Mm-hmm. Very exciting. Uh, and yeah, it, that's probably the only game that you've been looking forward to for the last year. Yeah, I was thinking about that just this morning, actually. Like, what was the last time I was really excited for a new game? And <laughs> there wasn't much last year that I was really excited for, which was kind of sad. But yeah, this year... Really excited for Little Nightmares 2, and it's coming out uh, this this is the day this episode goes live, February 11th, right? Yeah, yeah. Wow. It, it kind of sucks with, like, releases nowadays with games because they are so wonky when they first come out. You know, not like AAA games. I mean, there's always so much backlash about something or other. Sure. You know, we think about Last of Us 2, which you and I were very excited for at first, and then there was all the stuff with... Uh, uh, all the overworking for the teams and everything and Naughty Dog can never get their stuff together. Right. They, they're, who knows what's going on. Obviously it ended up being a really good game. Sure. Um, but uh, the, the hype just wasn't there because it kind of got pounded down so many times also because it came out, what, like seven years later. Yeah. Um, you know, that hurts and cyberpunk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a whole other uh, issue. You yeah, had another, <laughs> you know, good example of something that I was really hyped about at first and then obviously my hype waned and then went completely away when I saw all the uh reviews and everything and then I also think of Detroit Become Human um it was a good game but I I was waiting for that game and following that game for almost seven years that's too long and (laughs) you're gonna you're gonna play this game for a weekend don't follow it for (laughs) seven years only to bitch about it on Twitter seven years later because the thing is, is that like I'm not planning to follow it for seven years. I just, you know, yeah, I, I get interested when they first show it, and then they show it again, and then yeah. it keeps it keeps coming, and <laughs> it, I'm like, well, this probably is going to be released soon, and then five years pass. I know that's why anytime I see any sort of AAA game like that, I always just just take it out of your brain and don't even think about it because you're going to be let down. First of all, it's not going to live up to whatever hype it is that they're talking about seven years ago, and. And then there's going to be something crazy that comes out about it in that time, like uh, crunching hours at the last second or some sort of social justice message that no one agrees with in the game. But I guess that was the last game I was really looking forward to was Last of Us, which I actually ended up really enjoying. I don't yeah. I don't think that there's going to be a huge community backlash around Little Nightmares 2. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, that's what's nice about some of these yeah. games. Like the and also Nintendo games. Nintendo does a pretty good job of locking their information down to a fault often. Uh, that you know you end up having something. They say that they're going to release something and it's going to come out the next week. Yeah, sometimes. And it's like, well, I could have used a little more hype on that, but yeah. And then they go the complete opposite route where we get Metroid Prime Four being announced way too far in advance, and Breath of the Wild Two also way too far in advance. I get that never they heard have... those. Okay, yeah, good enough. But Nintendo is a fantastic company, Mike, so much so that we actually have their financial reports as of February 1st, 2021. Did you want to talk about that now? Yeah, they're doing great. We can just kind of go over that quickly. Obviously, Neil and I have a lot of problems with Nintendo recently, Um, you know, Free Melee being one of them and just them not understanding how Mario, how uh, distribution works, especially online. So stopping the Mario 35 in March, which is just... Doesn't make any uh, sense. I'll, I'll never figure that one out. And, and and discontinuing Mario 3D All-Stars too. 
Yeah, of course, because why would they want to make more money, Neil? I don't Does know. Does it make sense? No, I don't want to make money. Do you? <laughs> I definitely don't. That's why we're doing this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Not no. <laughs> so yeah, uh, the financial reports came out. Uh, they did really well for... Obviously, this is the big one because it's the Christmas time sure. um, and holiday season uh, financial reports. So I think 16.7 switches got sold. Uh, in that quarter, um, plus seven point three million Switch Lite devices. So yeah, in that's total, interesting. Yeah, twenty four million Switch devices of some kind sold. That's crazy. And now we're at, I think we're at eighty million for the Switch, almost eighty million. Yep. Total. So we're getting up to the Game Boy Advance now, which it'll easily pass. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it's it's the Wii. So the top selling Nintendo devices, we got the DS at one hundred and fifty four million. I don't think the Switch is going to pass that. We've got the Game Boy at 118.7 million. I think the Switch has a chance at passing that. Uh, we have the Wii at 101.6 million. I think the Switch might do it. It's going to take a lot. Mm-hmm. And then the Game Boy Advance at 81.5 million. And currently, yeah, Nintendo Switch sitting at 79.9 million units at this point. It's funny because you and I, we talked about this a long time ago, whether or not the Switch would would break it past uh, past 100 to beat the Wii. And, and you said that you really don't think so. It's going to have to take like a huge game to, to put them there. But now we're looking, Switch is only 20 million behind. I think it'll do it now. I yeah. think it'll do it even without a big game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if it just has the same year again, which I know it might not, but just looking at this last quarter, like 24 million units sold like that's enough to pass the wii at this point yeah which, and it yeah. didn't come out with it came out with animal crossing last year and ring fit adventure shortly before that and then there was the pandemic of course which helped boost sales no doubt mm-hmm. but i think if the switch is going to be on the market now for i'm going to say probably another two to three years three two to three years before there's another device yeah. it just has to do 10 to 12 million a year to to pass the wii i think it can definitely handle that especially since there's going to be another pokemon game there's going to be another zelda and a metroid game so and possibly another Mario Kart game. If there is another Mario Kart game, locking in, it's going to pass the Wii. No <laughs> trouble at all. Speaking of Mario Kart, that is still the number one game for mm-hmm. the Switch, but followed super closely by Animal Crossing. Yeah, uh, which is just crazy to me that that's that could actually take over Mario. Thirty-one point two million units of Animal Crossing. That's wild. That's now more... we don't have these stats, but I would I would easily bet that that's more than all of the Animal Crossings combined. Oh, yeah, probably. I mean, the Animal Crossing on DS and 3DS, I think, is the highest selling up to this point, but mm-hmm. I don't think that they did an, even half that on either console. No, no. Yeah, so, so obviously Smash Bros. coming in at 3, Zelda, uh, Breath of the Wild at 4, Sword and Shield at 5. They combine those numbers, though, which it's two games, right? So Yeah, yeah, It's but it, it is the same game. Yeah, really. yeah, I know. Uh, Odyssey at 6, Mario Party at 7, Pokemon Go, uh, Let's Go at 8. Splatoon 2 and your favorite, Neil, uh, and number 10, New Super Mario Bros. U Deluxe, uh, which doesn't have 10 million. We need another 10 million so that we have the top 10, 10 million. Yeah, I'd like to see all the 10 top 10 games on this list be above 10 million units sold. That would just be so cool. I think we will see that, especially with a game like Pokemon Snap coming out in a few months. I have a strong <laughs> feeling that game if is going to... that sells 10 million, I it hope is. it does. Dude, I hope it does. <laughs> I so hope it does. Well, Neil, I think it's time to uh, check our favorite segment. This is okay. our mailbag. <laughs> Do you have a re- review for us, Neil, or a negative or positive one? I'll I don't take anything. I don't have anything this week, Mike. I think you had a positive review ready to go, though. I do have a positive review ready to go. Okay. This is from uh, Fairy Crypt, all the way from the U.S. on Apple Podcasts. Right on. And they say, delightful discovery. 
I happened upon this gem of a podcast when Instagram suggested it. I love reliving my preteen and teen years with one of my favorite systems, the Nintendo GameCube. Fun banter and background info are in each episode, and I look forward to hearing more. Thank you very much for your crypt. And of course, by favorite teenage console, they mean the N-Gage, right? That's right. That's what they were initially uh, saying. So I guess the, I, I put in the N- Nintendo GameCube to just, you know, make oh, okay. it more relevant. Yeah, we're, we're an N-Gage podcast in disguise. <laughs> uh, and then we'll do the Gizmondo podcast. Of course. Gizmondo. <laughs> really happy Ali cleared, cleared up what the Gizmondo was for everyone last week. By the mafia. <laughs> yeah, he's not wrong. Nope. It's a, it's a very interesting system with a very checkered past. But Mike, for now, let's talk about the Nintendo GameCube. Welcome to episode 36 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. New episode every Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the other podcast services. If you haven't already, take a moment to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Leave us ratings and reviews to help others find the show. We're the number one GameCube podcast on the internet, and we're here to look back on all 555 North American GameCube games, one by one, sometimes 12 by 12. Visit thegamecubewascool.com to check out all the things that we've been working on. New episodes, read some articles, and explore our lovely store. The website was developed by our very own Mike Lane. That's me. That's you. Last week, we covered 1080 Avalanche, SSX3, and On Tour. We also had a little poll the other night, which was kind of fun. Uh, We talked about whether or not fans out there enjoy SSX or 1080 more. And SSX won by 66%, 1080, 34%. So definitely the preferred preferred franchise. And frankly, Mm -hmm. I agree. Yep. Yep. This week, we're covering the pinnacle of millennial video games, The Sims. I was going to say that's an interesting way to say it. Well, the way the reason why I say that, Mike, is because it it's a game all about making money, building a home, and and having friends, which millennials all want to have, but we can't have all three. But we at can't once. do, yeah, we can't yeah. do all at once. <laughs> so it's that the makes perfect. A lot of sense. It's a lot like Animal Crossing, but it's just a little bit more grounded in reality because you're actually people in a world similar to our own. Uh, and I also call it a millennial game because I realized the first Sims game came out in the year two thousand. And at, yeah, yes, at, that's right. at this point, all millennials, which are anyone born between, I think it's like 1980 to 1995 is that rough millennial era. Uh, it changes every year, but yeah. it's, it's, it's roughly that, yeah. I think 1995 is the cutoff. And at this point, every millennial is five years old and now old enough to play video games to some degree. Most of them probably have a home computer. So this is really one of the first games that came out that every millennial knew and had access to. I don't know if that, like, it's just yeah. like, of a launch game. It just feels like that this is one of the first games that millennials really all, it was new to them and they could all play it. I think The Sims as a franchise was one of the first kind of franchises that that people had access to uh, and people knew about. Like, everyone knew The Sims and still does, obviously. EA wanted to make sure we all knew about The Sims. <laughs> <laughs> and, and also, you know, from for me, my kind of introduction into this franchise was SimCity 2000. Sure. That's what I played a lot as a kid. Uh, my dad, he had it or his friend had it or someone had it. And I remember they gave it to us. In that I just I I remember that PC box, it's iconic, <laughs> and yeah, it had like a little UFO or something on it, and then it had like all these buildings, and I I, I vividly remember that box because it always was always like on that on our computer desk, and would put in the CD-ROM, and I would play it, and my dad would would be there helping me, uh, and yeah, I mean all you did was just you you just built cities, yeah, and you know you just playing stuff, and it was so fun and so different. I mean, I was only I was only seven or eight years old, but I I vividly remember playing it and really enjoying it. Uh, I I thought forever that the Sims or the SimCity 2000 was the ga- the original game, but I found out this week that 
it's uh SimCity just normal like just that word uh in 1989 that was the first game and obviously Neil I know you have some history to talk about for the Sims franchise a little bit but first when I I you're talking about SimCity 2000 brings back memories for me because I actually have a little bit of experience with the original SimCity which I didn't oh, okay. I didn't know that you didn't know that that was the original I uh, you know I just I, <laughs> I my la- the last time I played it was probably like 2004 right you know or something like that so I haven't thought about this in in 20 years almost yeah no it's that's the sequel of sim city which was sort of the sort of the genesis of this whole craze of creating your own life it started with sim city which is kind of funny it started off building an entire city and then went smaller to sort of just building your own small life but no mm. i played sim city on actually i played it on the port on snes back okay. yeah way back huh. in the day and i'm gonna tell you what it is not fun to play on a super nintendo <laughs> Uh, no, as as we're gonna go into, as is gonna be a major theme in this episode. None of these games are fun to play on consoles. They're meant to be played on PCs. Not particularly. No, my uncle could because it was his Super Nintendo. So he, that's all he knew. He just, I went to his place and he had like a full city built with roads and planes and buildings and airports and everything else. And then I tried to play it and I could barely build a train track. <laughs> <laughs> I was I, I was more into Mario on the Super Nintendo as you should, but yes. I did have a slight. Uh, introduction to the sims as a kid because we had now back in the day kids families had one computer no tablets and no wi-fi so (laughs) we had one computer it was a giant dell desktop computer and that was the Mm -hmm. family pc it was used for school for gaming email whatever Uh, Yeah, I'm sure everyone had the same experience or a similar experience. I certainly did. Everybody our age would. Nowadays, every kid has their own iPad and phone and laptop for the most part. But my sister and myself, we each got our own PC games just Christmas. We'd get random games. I would get games like Roller Coaster Tycoon, which fantastic game, very similar to Mm -hmm. SimCity. I would get games like Age of Empires and whatnot. But my sister got The Sims. Okay. Because it's sort of like a virtual dollhouse game. It sort of is a yep. bit more, I'm not going to say it's more for girls, but it does appeal more to that market. It actually was specifically made for girls. Yeah. That was the, the idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, similar to Animal Crossing in the sense that they wanted to get more females uh, playing these games. When um, Will Wright, we're going to talk about him a lot, but that was one of his main goals uh, because he actually got the idea from his daughter. Right. Who, uh, when she was little, she was playing with dollhouses. You that, know? And, that was the original title for the game was, or he wanted it to be called Dollhouse. But yeah, that, that was, they wanted it to appeal to girls in a way, but also to capture that boy's market. So naturally my sister was playing Sims one day and I wanted to play on the computer, but she was there first. So I sat down so you and beat her up. <laughs> <laughs> so I ripped her, her from the chair and threw her outside. Uh, no, but we played Sims for a couple hours if I remember. And oh, yeah. that's probably my only experience with Sims. I don't think I ever picked it up and played it by myself. I only ever played it with my sister because she knew all the codes. She knew what to do. She knew the language or whatever. So I would play with her and it was fun, but I always just wanted to play Roller Coaster Tycoon because I'd rather own a roller coaster park than a house. (laughs) Again, it's the same problem that I have with Animal Crossing is that I can do most of these things in real life. I'm just going to go out and do them. Yeah. I can make money. I can have a, I have a fish tank. I have a dog. I have a backyard. I'm just going to go out and do those things for real. Yeah, so, that's fair. But anyway, that's my that's our history of Sims and SimCity and whatnot. So, Mike, yeah, let's jump into the history of the franchise because it's it's beefy and it's very interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, to start off, Will Wright is kind of the brainchild behind this whole thing. Uh, he his name is going to come up a lot. So the 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 game he made first was Raid on Bungling Bay, uh, which is actually like kind of the, the, the genesis of all this. And he realized when he was creating this game that he actually had more fun planning out the levels 
than playing the game itself. Hmm. And so this kind of really got him fixated on urban planning. Uh, and architects were, were, were saying that uh, urban planning can actually be done more efficiently with a computer. And he was like, okay, let's challenge that. And so he created something called Raid, which he basically made into a sim game, uh, which obviously didn't really fit the bungling bay uh, mode of just blowing stuff up. Right. So he kind of was just like tinkering with it and, you know, uh, creating it as a side project. And that eventually became SimCity. Hmm. That's very interesting. I love how games, certain game genres have this I option to create your own whatever. Like we talked about Tony Hawk having just more fun creating your own uh, skate park. Games mm-hmm. like Roller Coaster Tycoon, creating your own theme park, Mario Maker, where you create your own Mario levels. There is that sort of, not disconnect, but just there's certain people who like to play games that are already made, but then there's also this creativity aspect and creation aspect of games that's equally as fun to make a game. It's a Lego idea. Exactly. Right? Yeah. You know, Lego as a company has their stuff that you can build from instructions, but then you can also just buy a massive thing of blocks. Yeah. And, and, you know, for me, I'll have more fun going through that massive thing of blocks and just making whatever I want than I ever would in using the instruction booklet to make something. I feel like that that's something that you're not born with, but just something you're naturally, you're naturally attracted to. Like, I don't think that you can describe to somebody who loves to play just games that are already made, like Call of Duty and FIFA. I don't think that you can just describe to them Sims or something like that and say... This is why it's fun. You should like it too. I, I think you really have to like that creation aspect of things to begin with. Because you and I, yes. we had Lego, we had Connects, we had building blocks as kids. So then to have that in a digital form, it's also why Minecraft is so big. Yeah, it's yeah. Just, it's just something that you're naturally inclined to do. And it's really tough to teach that to someone else. You almost have to have that natural instinct already. It's an inherent trait for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. It's, I mean, it's... You know, I think it's one of the reasons I'm a designer too, right? right? It's like, I like that kind of stuff. I like that creativity. It's, you know, not, you know, it's kind of a bit of a left left brain, right brain kind of style. Yeah, exactly. But the game developers who made this game, of course, you talked about Will Wright having the idea with his daughter's dollhouse. He also had the idea to really finalize The Sims when his house actually burned down in, uh, mm-hmm. in 1991. And he, he uh, had to, of course, rebuild his home. He had to rebuy everything. And that's how he had the inspiration to have to make, hey, this would be fun as a game, which is so weird. Like to think that your whole life burns down and you get inspired to build a video game that in turn sells millions of tens of millions of copies. <laughs> that's that's how stuff happens, uh, yep. honestly, just like just by chance, by luck or no, not by luck. Unluck, yeah. <laughs> unlucky that one door closes, two doors open. There we go. That that's whole the one. metaphor. <laughs> when he was designing this, people didn't really get it. Um, he actually had to pitch this to a lot of different publishers. Yep. Because at this point, you know, we're looking at the the, the, the early 90s mm-hmm. uh, and you really didn't have games. Every game had to have an objective, had to have a mission, right. goals. Mm-hmm. You know, this sandbox kind of game style really didn't exist or it just existed in a small part in, in certain games. And, you know, a lot of people were questioning him. They were like, well, you know, this isn't a game. And he's like, no, like this... For me, this is my perspective. This is a game. And this is, you know, the constant argument that we'll have with Animal Crossing, right? <laughs> it's the same kind of thing. Yeah. It's it's really kind of redefining what games are. And this was, you know, I think one of the biggest moments in gaming history is the success of SimCity. Yeah, and it is it is very much a success story because, like you said, it's very tough to call it a game. It is a simulation video game. That's fine. It's, yeah. not, it's not a shooter. It's not a platformer. But it is a very much almost like a J.K. Rowling, Harry Potter story where he came up with the idea in the early 90s. He They came up with the first prototype in 1993. Mm-hmm. And obviously this is so now four years after SimCity. 
the studio that he worked for, which was Maxis, developed lots of simulation games. They were very big on that genre, very good at it. They made SimCity, Spore, SimAnt, all these random games. They did dip yep. their toe in other genres of games, which were not good. Uh, I have a, a list of them somewhere around here. But uh, So they had this idea for Sims in 1993, and Maxis was later purchased by Electronic Arts in 1997. Mm-hmm. And EA kind of saw this prototype, this idea for a dollhouse game, and said, whoa, you know, what, what's this? And he explained what it was. And so from 1997, they developed The Sims and came out in 2000. So from 1991, when his house burned down and he had the inspiration, it took nine years to finally get it yeah. off the ground and onto the shelves. Oh, because it's a it's a massive project when mm-hmm. you think about it. You know that game. There's so much you can do in it, and you have to remember this is before the days of updates. Uh, yep. You know, and, and so you obviously there's tons of expansions uh, that they made for for Sims One, but you know they had to release a polished game. You know, in 2000, so that's why it took so long to to create this world because that's really what he was doing. He was creating a world where you can do anything. Uh, which would have been a, just an enormous task. But I was thinking this week, Neil, uh, of something, because we were talking about GTA in the last episode. And, and really, this is the proto-GTA. Kind this of. is like GTA before GTA. Yeah. You know, there's goals, but the real game is just the experience and the creativity of the world mm-hmm. and what you determine your successes. And you know, there, that's, that's the biggest thing. And there is that element of destruction, which a lot of people love GTA 4, where you can kind of just be a bad person. You can do that in Sims 2. You can burn <laughs> your house down. It's also a mix of a god sim as well, because you can lock people in the homes and set it on fire and kind of have this really sick tendency towards the families <laughs> that you're taking care of. <laughs> that's, that's one of my favorite things to do. And see, that's how I determine my success, you know, <laughs> is, is getting the Grim Reaper, making sure he appears. Right. Uh, stuff like that. You know, like that's why I play these games where... You know, other people will play GTA for the story or the missions, but you know, for me, I, it's it's so great to just play half an hour and just do whatever you want, just like The Sims. Mm-hmm. It's it's a very interesting franchise because as you and I are gamers, we love our our retro games, we love indie games, we love the occasional AAA game, but we I forget about The Sims, but it sells like crazy. I worked briefly in EB Games, a Canadian version of GameStop, for just two months, and while I was there. Occasionally, you know, every day I would sell dozens of copies of Madden and and FIFA and whatever else. But occasionally you'd get this parent come in and ask to buy, I guess it was Sims 4 at the time. 4, yeah. And they'd be like, hey, do you guys have Sims 4? And I'd be like, yeah, (laughs) we do. And I'd sell it. And, you know, just every so often that slow trickle of this game just keeps selling. And it just reminded me that, you know, everybody, you know, says EA, you know, they make all their money from FIFA and Madden and whatever else. But it... Sims has got to be a huge moneymaker for them too. <laughs> They've made a lot of money from Sims and the the fact that it's probably I'd say the Sims and Elder Scrolls are the only or some of the only games that where the expansion packs might have sold more than the game itself. Probably. We're going to talk a little <laughs> bit more about the expansion packs when we get into Sims 1 and Sims 2, but they were very good at reselling the same game over and over <laughs> and over again. <laughs> Yes, they were. Yes, they were. It's wild. But as of recording this podcast, uh, the Sims franchise as a whole has sold 200 million copies worldwide, making it one of the best-selling video game series of all time. That's kind of a a very checkered way of counting. A a video game series is very difficult to track because I think the number one selling game of all time is technically Tetris, but most of those are ripoffs of Tetris. Then, of course, there's (laughs) Wii Sports, which doesn't really count because it's a pack-in game. Then there's GTA V, which is selling like crazy every month. But The Sims is in that conversation, too, of games that sells like gangbusters uh, on (laughs) on an annual basis. Um, So, yeah, like you said, just selling expansions, selling content packs, uh, 
is is what is what kind of uh, butters their bread. Uh, but by February of 2005, talking more about Sims 1 here, that uh, the game had sold 16 million copies worldwide across all wow. platforms, which is nothing to sneeze at, to say the least. Absolutely nothing to sneeze at, yeah. And obviously, you know, this is the GameCube was cool, but we will be talking about just the Sims in general rather than focusing on too much uh, of the, the GameCube uh, version of it because, yeah, like we said before, these aren't the ideal way to play. One ideal way to play, though, Neil, is actually the DS. Really? It, it does make sense because you have the stylus, you have the two screens, yep. you have the ability to kind of click wherever you want, go wherever you want, which is the big hindrance of playing it on a console. Right. Moving a joystick over to the entire right of the screen is mm-hmm. very tedious when you have to do that same thing over and over again. Right. Yeah, no, it makes sense. The DS is very much like a little handheld PC at times. You, you're right. The stylus is completely like a mouse pad. I thought it would be kind of fun. Mike, do you want me to read all the consoles that The Sims is on? <laughs> yeah, please. Yeah, I want to hear this. If you want, you can edit it out. <laughs> so here we go. So The Sims is on Microsoft Windows, Mac OS, PlayStation 2, GameCube, Xbox, Mac OS, Game Boy Advance, Nintendo DS, PlayStation Portable, Java ME, BlackBerry OS, Bada, PlayStation 3, Xbox 360, Wii, Nintendo 3DS, Engage, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, iOS, Android, and Windows phones. Wow. But uh, if you look at the best-selling PC games of all time, it's the ninth best-selling PC game. That's Sims 1. So, again, PC is a huge market if you can get in there. I think PUBG, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, is considered the number one still. But, uh, yeah, Sims up there at number nine. So, Mike, I think it's about time that we uh, discuss The Sims on GameCube and how it fared versus its PC counterparts. I think the best way to do this is just to introduce all The Sims games at once. We'll talk about the games as a franchise. We're going to bring on Annika in a little bit to talk about them. So I'm just going to introduce the games now, and then we'll jump in. Yep, sounds good. Cool. So The Sims 1 was released on March 25th, 2003, developed by Edge of Reality, published by EA. It's also on Windows, Mac OS, OS X, Linux, PlayStation 2, GameCube, and Xbox. Yeah, so the the Maxis one, uh, I was going to say the Edge of Reality is the pub- or the developer for the consoles. Right. Maxis was the developer for the uh, PC and everything else, basically. Correct, yep. So if you wanted to pick it up today, you're looking at about $15 on GameCube. It actually rates in the 8s, which is not bad. No, yeah, it's, it's a good game. Yeah, for sure. But after that, we had Sims Bustin' Out, which was released on December 15th, 2003. Same year, just a little bit later. This one was actually developed by Maxis. It's also uh, published by EA Games. This one is on PlayStation 2, Xbox, GameCube, and Game Boy Advance. Uh, prices at around $15 and rates in the 8s. Then we had The Herbs, Sims in the City, was released on November 9th, 2004. Developed by Maxis, published by EA. This one's also on the Nintendo DS, PlayStation 2, Xbox, Game Boy Advance. It's around $20 today and rates in the 7s. Finally, we had Sims 2, was released on October 24th, 2005. Developed by Maxis Redwood Shores, uh, published by EA Games. This one's also on everything else again. Windows, Mac OS, <laughs> Game Boy Advance, DS, PlayStation 2, Xbox, PSP, and Java ME. This one's a little bit more expensive at $36 and rates in the 9s. So we're getting pretty good here. And then, last but not least, they re-released Sims 2, but included Pets, was released on October 17th, 2006, developed by Maxis Redwood Shores, published by EA Games, also on Windows, PlayStation 2, DS, Game Boy Advance, PlayStation Portable, and Wii, uh, right around $25 today, not quite as good, rates in the 7s. 
All right, thanks for that long list of uh, Sims games there, Neil. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but let's uh, go right into it. And we have friend of the show, Annika, on today to talk about her experience with The Sims. And now, Annika, we have a question for you. What has been your favorite way to kill someone in this franchise? Okay, so I'm going to get dark real quick here. Oh, okay. <laughs> just, a, just a warning. Um, so my favorite way to kill a Sim, um, it was a baby. So I threw a party... Um, I, I had nice... threw a baby. <laughs> no, no, no. Close. <laughs> I threw a party. Um, I had a barbecue going. I had the pool going. Obviously, there was people in the pool, so I took the ladders out. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> because I had to make burgers, I was holding a baby. You can't mm-hmm. hold a baby and barbecue at the same time. So I put the baby on the barbecue. <laughs> um, somehow the game lets you do that. Obviously, baby bursts into flames. Um, people are also dying in the pool at the same <laughs> right, time. Right. <laughs> just a lot of death happening. Uh, Grim Reaper comes, probably just has a really great time. Um, mm. And as one does, you try to make friends with the Grim Reaper. Mm-hmm. Didn't go so well. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, the Grim Reaper was one of my favorite additions to The Sims. I forget if he was in The Sims 1 or just in Sims 2 onward, but uh, I always enjoyed uh, trying to make the Grim Reaper appear. I believe he started, there was, there was an expansion for The Sims. Um, I can't remember what it was called, but I think that gave you the Grim Reaper. So the original Sims, I don't think, had it. Would you like me to read all the expansions from Sims 1 to see if that jogs yes. your memory? <laughs> okay, so The Sims had seven expansion packs. They were Live in Large, House Party, Hot Date, Vacation, Superstar, and Making Magic. There was also two expansion collections where they would sell the game with all the expansion packs included. And then there were 11 repackaged editions of The Sims in total. Oh my god. Yeah. It's true though because I, I've seen The Sims in so many different boxes. Like mm-hmm. I, I can picture like not all of them, but I can picture a lot of different versions of that art. Mm-hmm. And it was confusing for parents to buy these for kids. <laughs> I know this because my parents got my sister the wrong expansion year after year. She would end up with like Sims Pets, Sims Live and Large, or whatever. And she's like, I didn't, I don't have this version of this is for Sims Three or whatever oh, it no. was. So yeah, like they didn't, <laughs> yeah. know. they didn't know. Like it, they just went to. Walmart they're like Sims. Or, yeah, they're like, oh, my daughter has Sims. This is an expansion for Sims. Great. So it was a nightmare for them. And she had a bookshelf of Sims expansion packs. And I think we only ever had Sims 1. So like I, <laughs> she never ever got to play them. But <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it's, it sucks. Sad. But that was just one of the things as a parent. Uh, it was tough for them to know what to buy exactly. And the person yeah. working at the game store or the department <laughs> store didn't have a clue or care what they were buying. Of so <laughs> Like this person wants a game. I would feel really bad for people with like when people are, are asking for Sims expansions. Like that's got to be tough yep. if you're at the counter. Yep, definitely. A- Annika, <laughs> though, you said that you got the expansion packs from the library. They had PC games at your library? Yeah. So growing up, I, I don't think I ever owned a Sims game. The only, I guess you could call it a Sims game, is SimCity, which I'm pretty sure I owned. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's I guess that's kind of how I got into Sims. Because otherwise, I can't think of how how I would have. Um, I played SimCity. I think it was two thousand, because my brother and I we both had our separate computers in our basement, and my computer could not handle doing things. So the only game that it could basically handle was SimCity. So we would get all the Sims Sims and Sims two games from the library. Um, I remember having at one point we had every single expansion that we could get. Um, of sims 2 and we just had them stacked on top of each other and 
And and they gave them in the, it's like the double CD cases, so the really thick ones, because there was nice. an installation disc and mm-hmm. like the game disc and then the booklet. So it was just like really fat cases. All of them, I just remember in, we installed them one after another so we could play them all at once. Nice. Because um, as long as you have one one of them, you can play pretty much all of them. Yeah. So I would sit at my computer playing SimCity, being very sad because my brother obviously wanted to play. He was older. So he got first pick and it was his computer. Mm. <laughs> and so I had to wait until he he was done. And then I could go in and kill my babies um, <laughs> in Sims 2. <laughs> Jeez. You guys are lucky, though, that you had two PCs in the same house. I was saying to Mike up front at the top, the episode there, we had, the, we had one family computer from... 2000 until basically 2011 when I we, we graduated mm-hmm. high school and started getting laptops and cell phones to use for gaming. So it was it was really hard for a long time there to play video games on the PC because <laughs> Hannah, my sister, really loves playing The Sims. I played it with her a few times, but I always wanted to go on and play Age of Empires or Roller Coaster Tycoon. Yeah, yeah, I was I was definitely very lucky. We actually had three computers because my mom had cool. one upstairs. Nice. I think it was because my dad's work they would have like old computers. So whenever they had an old one that no one wanted, my dad would take it. And that's why my computer, honestly, the only thing it could handle was sometimes Windows Media Player. Okay. Sometimes. Good. <laughs> um, and Matt Corel Circus. WordPerfect. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, <Okay. laughs> so keep in mind that uh, my brother and I were homeschooled. So we right. both did need computers as well. And my mom, my mom loved getting us computer games from the computer, especially educational kind. Sure. Um, yep. So that's why my parents were big into, you can have computers, learn all about computer and technology. They weren't so big on like the console games. Okay. So I played most things on PC. The Sims are very educational. You learn a lot. They about are. Life. Uh, you learn a lot about love. And obviously this is the, the Valentine's Day episode, Neil. We forgot to say that up front. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is uh, this is for Valentine's Day. And we thought, what better franchise to do than The Sims, uh, which is where you're constantly trying to woohoo each other. As, uh, <laughs> yeah, as... <laughs> you, you woohoo about 12 times until make a baby appears. Yep. And then you make a baby a bunch of times. And then suddenly you have twins. And that's why <laughs> you have one to spare in the barbecue. <laughs> you then used The Sims as a reference on one of your health papers in gym class when you were in high school. <laughs> <laughs> I kept woohooing. <laughs> I know how babies are made. That's where babies come from. Yeah. Just a whole bunch of like random facts here about The Sims 1. By the way, uh, the Grim Reaper does appear in The Sims 1. That is a fact. When characters do die, there's a, a tombstone or an urn that appears mm-hmm. in the house. And then uh, the Grim Reaper character appears as well. Uh, the characters, they speak the made-up language known as Simlish which is just like a language that's kind of all-encompassing. That actually saved the developers a ton of time because they didn't have to translate for every country's release, which was very That's what very I was smart. thinking too. When So I actually did some research on Simlish after, you know, watching some videos and hearing it a lot this week. Uh, I was like, oh, like, where did this come from? And yeah, it actually debuted in the Sim, sp- uh, Sim City spinoff, a spin copter oh, okay. uh, <laughs> in 96. Uh, I guess it was used by, by like the pilots and, uh, oh, okay. for a little bit. And then obviously became prominent in the Sims franchise. Uh, and also in the game Spore, 
which uh, uh, is a later game that Maxis made that is not good. Uh, <laughs> uh, the creatures can be taught Simlish, which is uh, kind of neat. But yeah, the whole idea, the reason why they did it was because Will Wright didn't want the repetitiveness of just uh, having something in like English. Means like, good job, good job. There you go, there you go. Yeah. You know, just like over and over and over again, because that's right. what he found for a lot of these other games. And so he's like, okay, why don't we just make it gibberish? Mm-hmm. You know, think that's of Pengu <laughs> being so or like known. I, I, makes me think of the uh, the peanuts with the, the anytime an adult speaks, it's the like a trumpet. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's a very smart idea. And then of course they had the simoleon, which is the currency of the world, uh, made up currency. Again, they don't have to do anything in terms of er- areas of the world. They don't have to change it to Canadian dollars, U.S. dollars, euros. Yep. Very smart. And one just really fun fact: I I, I learned that 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 name of that crystal, you know, the gem, in yeah, that's a, it's called a plumb bob. Oh, I I didn't know it had a name. Yeah. I I I read that somewhere. Yeah. I totally forgot about that. Oh. Yeah. Just a little random thing. I didn't know it had a name either. I know the logo. It's very iconic yep. in video games now. But yeah. So I, just speaking of like simoleons and I know there's infinite money hacks. It just got me thinking about these sim games that I played, like Roller Coaster Tycoon, and cheat codes were a huge thing. Yes. Annika, did, yeah. did you use, what 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 were like the cheat codes to use in The Sims? I used Motherload, which gave you I think it was like fifty thousand simoleons. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. So I would just do that a, a whole bunch of times. When, once I found this cheat code, I was like, oh, I'm I'm ma- building my mansion. Here we go. So I would just like use it a whole bunch of times until I had basically infinite money. Um, and then I would just build my dream house. Right. And obviously with the expansion packs, um, I would make plant sims, which is something you could do in seasons. Mm-hmm. So you just like over pesticide things and then your <laughs> sim turns green and you could make like plant babies. <laughs> That's cool. The, I, I just remember the stupid, like, you could queue up so many actions in Sims, like, eat bread, go to the bathroom, have a shower. I would queue up so many things. <laughs> I'd basically plan out my Sims' life, and then I'd have, and then they'd get stuck because they couldn't get to the door or something stupid. <laughs> and then all the actions would just go out the window. I was like, come on. But yes, Motherload was my go-to cheat. $50,000, not as much money anymore. <laughs> build a mansion with your fifty thousand dollar mother load yeah i uh, i i i use the cheap mother load in life all the time but it doesn't seem to work i think they they passed it they they did but we're trying to solve it a lot of, just put some money in gamestop and then you'll get some <laughs> some money that, that's the infinite <laughs> money hack of 2021 <laughs> that's the new hack <laughs> that's the new one I know a lot of folks out there are probably wondering what the difference is between GameCube and the PC version. The main difference that I could find was that The Sims 1 was more of like a top-down 2D game. Still 3D elements, but it looked a lot more rigid, whereas the GameCube version was a fully 3D realized game version of The Sims, which was the way that The Sims eventually did go in The Sims 2, but that was very ahead of its time so to speak, with the GameCube version, which was actually three years after launch. So by then... Yeah, I was about to say, it was. it's actually technically the remaster of The Sims. Right. Yeah, it's not a direct port. It's mm-hmm. more of like a, an actualized version of The Sims, which I'm sure they at one point packaged in one of the 11 packages that they <laughs> sold to us for the 11th time. Yeah, it was basically like like the, you know, the, the deluxe Funky Kong edition. Yes, you know? exactly. <laughs> even before The Sims 1 even came out, between that 93 prototype and 2000, the game went through 11 UI redos. Now, Mike and Annika, I know you guys are both into that whole UX UI design world, but designing UI is a huge project to do so they yes. they had to redo everything 11 times before the game actually came out and then they continued to obviously yeah. redo it after that's the crazy. game came out so and that's what it's, it's one of those things that you're always trying to strive for like the perfect 
you know, mm-hmm. uh, you're, you're trying to get like the perfect uh, ex- user experience for something like The Sims, which right. is so focused on the user experience more than any other game, I would say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's so many aspects of the game, too, that it would definitely make it so much harder. Yeah. And that's one of the things about just a simulation game in general is that the UI and the UX have to be so just concrete and nailed down. Because if it's just slightly annoying to play, if you have to click too often, it's 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 irritating and it just doesn't work. Like, I, I love the story about how, Mike, when you had your shoulder, uh, you had a dislocated shoulder for a bit, the only game you could play was Roller Coaster Tycoon because that's the one game you can play with one arm. You don't right. need the keyboard. You can do everything with the mouse, which is just so <laughs> genius. Yeah. Sims, you can do that too. And I know yeah. I could have. I could have played The Sims. Yeah, you Damn could have it. played Sims. I uh, one other biggest difference for the GameCube versions and console versions are when like the cursor basically is this beam of light that's constantly on the screen, right? Uh, and so that's kind of how you see where you're moving towards. Uh, that's that's basically the the biggest like or one of the biggest um, visual differences is just like seeing that that massive beam of light wherever you go, which is kind of weird at first, but you get used to it. I do, I do have also uh, our favorite book here, Neil, 1001 Video Games Before You Die. Great. Uh, and obviously they talked about The Sims because it is a video game you should definitely play before you die. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course. <laughs> and so here is what they have to say here. The year 2000 was feared for the millennium bug, at least by those who weren't worried about an apocalypse. It was the year of Big Brother, a television human goldfish bowl that gave us insight into the common banality of our actions and conversations. This obsession came as no surprise to PC gamers who'd been addicted to The Sims since its arrival at the turn of the millennium. Um, and they basically just, you know, talk about, obviously, the whole uh, what you can do in it, how this was so different. Uh, Sims can die from starvation, electrocution, fire, or a virus, which can lead to a ghost sim haunting its old house. Some players delight in finding outlandish ways to kill their charges, but most develop an eerie concern for their entirely algorithmic welfare. Simsville is further fleshed out in various expansion packs, which bring more items, characters, and new locations into play, as well as a sequel. Indeed, we suspect we'll be playing The Sims long after the Orwellian nightmare of Big Brother is finally over. That's funny. Yeah, I forgot yeah. about all the different ways that they can die, actually. That's yeah. that's something that was pretty unique at the time. You know, things like Roller Coaster Tycoon, you really just drown them. That's that's really all you can do. Yeah, you can crash roller coasters <laughs> or drown them in your ponds. Yeah. But... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I definitely remember eating bad food, like when the green green stuff starts coming out and there's flies. Yeah. And I would eat the bad stuff. So I was like, why would I waste it? Um, <laughs> and I would get sick and sometimes die. I think, too, after you have a sim that dies, it can come back and haunt you and your sim can die of, like, fright. Oh, whoa. <laughs> um, or sometimes if, you, if it doesn't kill you, you'll just, like, pee your pants or something. <laughs> Jeez, that's funny. So yeah, then so The Sims Two was the the ultimate sequel to Sims One. There were a couple console games in between there. We'll talk about that after Sims Two. But uh, one of the things about just interesting ways that characters could die was that there was this random virus that was introduced into the game, and it was nothing in the source material, like nothing in the book that explained Hmm. how these characters are getting sick and dying. Oh, and it turned out that it was due to these infected guinea pigs in the game. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, it was like this huge thing because players' characters were dying. And, you know, permadeath in The Sims, they don't come mm-hmm. back. And there was no warning on what you can do to stop it. So all these, like, angry letters and no, obviously, tweets at the time, but were, were sent to EA. And they had to undo, like, patch the game so <laughs> that they could bring their characters back to life if they died from these infected guinea pigs that were just randomly huh. in the game, unannounced, which huh. is really funny. Yeah. I did not know that. That, that is so, so was that 
in like Sims 2, even without the pets expansion? I guess that was part of the pets expansion. That That's true because in the original Sims, there was just the base game and then there were eight expansion packs, including University, Nightlife, Open for Business, Pets, Seasons, Bon Voyage, Free Time, and Apartment Life. Yep. Again, this is the ultimate millennial game because these are all things millennials want but can't have all at once. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then there was also 10 stuffs pack, which brings you things like small holiday things, clothes, and furniture. Mm-hmm. And then they repackaged it and sold it in eight different editions of the game. Wow. So, yeah, Sims 2 is a beast. And it took place 25 years after the events of the first Sims game. So all of the characters, like the goth family, are all grown up, even though it came mm-hmm. out five years after the original Sims game. Mm-hmm. So it takes place 25 years after the events of the first game. I mean, The Sims 2 is basically, obviously, it's basically The Sims, but it's kind of, everything's updated. Like you said, the UI is updated, the graphics look nicer, Mm -hmm. uh, it's smoother gameplay. It just, it's, I I think a lot of people, I mean, I forget what the ratings are again here, Neil, but I think a lot of people often consider The Sims 2 to be the the better version of the two. Yeah, Sims 2 rated higher than Sims 1, even though Sims 1 sold more. I think that was also just because it was new and people Mm -hmm. wanted to play their new computer. And SimCity, you know, being out before, and this was like this new thing that you could have people in this city, basically, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And uh, that obviously would have drawn a lot of people in. But um, I'm I'm curious to talk about the Sims 2 pets a little bit, Neil, because uh, this was a uh, expansion pack that basically got re-released for the GameCube as its own game uh which i thought was really interesting it's the only expansion pack that basically got a game out of it and it is basically the sims 2 but just with pets uh from what i could tell by watching it also sidebar watching the sims 2 uh or just watching the sims in general is very boring i didn't realize how boring it is i was going to talk about that i wanted to talk about this this week i've done i did a ton of research on the series obviously to get ready for the show and i was very interested in the history of maxis and ea and the sims and then i would go to youtube to try and you know get a sense of what are some of the games and the expansions that i didn't get to play like annika borrowing the games from the library i didn't even think of that as a kid yeah going to watch like a streamer play the sims on twitch or youtube is just not fun to watch at all it's not a fun (laughs) game to watch did you watch the final boss fight? <laughs> yeah, I looked for the final boss. Yeah, you against the Grim Reaper. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny with awesome. um the, with Pets, too. So Pets was released in, what is it, September 2006? Yep. So this is one of the last games, actually, on the GameCube, one of the last 20 games that came out for the GameCube. And uh, I couldn't really find, like, good information on this, but I have a big hunch that this was released on the GameCube solely because of Nintendogs. That's yep. why they did it. Because Nintendogs came out uh, a little less than a year before. Obviously, was a massive success. For context, Nintendogs sold 24 million copies, hmm. uh, which I didn't know. That's more than basically all the Sims games. Yep. So, wow. Nintendogs is huge yeah. on DS. <laughs> but yeah, simulation pet games did become a major thing after, I think we have Sims to thank for that, with Nintendogs and later on Nintendo Cats. Uh, I didn't find too much on The Sims Pets. Uh, Annika, I think you said you played this one. The only real interesting thing I could find about this expansion was that it also introduced werewolves, which was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so with Pets, um, there wasn't too much. That's why it's very weird that they made a total standalone game. I guess with GameCube, you can't really make an expansion like PC. It's like PC, it was obviously just an expansion. Um, right. And there was, you could your pet could have different career paths. So I think you could go into like a showbiz. Uh, I think you could be like a security dog. Um, Or I I do remember I had, uh, I'm pretty sure it was a dog that was like a firefighter or firefighter helper. 
<laughs> so your pet could have a career and become famous. Uh, it was kind of weird, but um, that was like, other than that, it was just you play with your pet. You buy your cat a really nice cat tree. Uh, you feed them, change the litter box. Um, okay. They just scratch your house up. Uh, there wasn't, there's obviously not too much. It's just like having a cat in real life or a pet in real life. So there's not too much of a change when it comes to having a, its own standalone game. Yeah, it basically just becomes that you have now more Sims to take care of. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was a test bed to see how it would do with Nintendogs, Mike. I think you're right, because it was on DS, GameCube, Wii, and also PlayStation 2, but everything was on PlayStation 2 back then. <laughs> yeah. if, it, if it was on a disc, it was on PS2. It, yep. <laughs> it's, 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 got, it's got to be because of Nintendogs, right? Because yeah. why would you release this one rather than any other of the expansions or release like a Sims 2 Deluxe or something. So they mm-hmm. definitely were trying to capitalize the last ditch effort of the GameCube <laughs> to, to yeah, capitalize on this. Exactly. Yeah, because some of the other expansions, because um, there's a university and apartment. Apartment, I know, it introduced a lot of stuff, but even university, um, you could interact more with other Sims, I believe, because you were in more of a residence from what I, what I remember. Mm-hmm. So you could do more things and obviously your Sim goes to school uh, so I, f- I feel like that one and some of the other expansions had more capability over pets. So I just realized I didn't really do too much research into the expansions other than pets because that's on GameCube. Did you get <laughs> Did you get The Sims free time? What is that? Um, they just don't do anything. I, I did get it. <laughs> I from what I remember, it's just I think I think they added more like communities that you could visit. And you literally, yeah, you just have free time to go exploring. This is such Uh, a millennial franchise, dude. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember it too much, but I do remember that I I installed it. Um, It didn't didn't offer too, too much. It's probably just like a hobbies thing. Like you have free time to do exercise and start a podcast. (laughs) I I know one of the expansions did offer, and it could be free time, that you could play sports, I think. Uh, So that could be it. That makes sense. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Can we start a Sims game, Neil, and uh, we'll create our own Sims and become podcasters? Sure. I mean, that's why <laughs> that's my oh, that's my biggest issue with these life simulation games. It's like, why why do you want to have all these options to play in a game when you could just do them in real life? That's like, why you, you kill people. Well, you them. can't exactly. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> you I can't guess kill people in real life. Yeah, I don't want to well, kill can, anybody but... in real life. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I do. We we could start a podcast simulation game. I mean, it's yeah. so easy to start a podcast now. I don't know why you wouldn't just do that. <laughs> no, no, but, no, no. This is this is much more fun. Exactly, it's true. So another huge aspect of the Sims franchise is, of course, we talked about Simlish being uh, the main language of the game. Of course, there's also music in the game, and it wouldn't be a video game without licensed music in the 2000s. Now you couldn't have songs played in English because English didn't exist in the Sims universe. So. EA and Maxis developed an entirely original soundtrack based around real music such as the Pussycat Dolls, the Flaming Lips, uh, Saving Jane, and uh, the Black Eyed Peas, but those artists actually came in and re-recorded their songs in Simlish. Mike, hit me with one of those songs right now and let's get a copyright strike. (laughs) All right, so we got Let's Get It Started by the Black Eyed Peas here. Classic song from the late 90s, early 2000s. I think you could hold a house party and play this music and no one notice. <laughs> I really want to do that. <laughs> As a social experiment. <laughs> uh, I also have um, a couple others here to just uh, talk about. There's uh, the format, if you remember them, uh, singing The Compromise. That's on Sims 2 Pets. I'd see a wounded clue by 
We have Paramore's Pressure on really? Sims 2. Mm-hmm. Wow. We have Katy Perry, Last Friday Night on Sims 3. Okay. have a tally hall song neil uh what? Good, good day oh. by tally hall comes in nice for Sims 2. and um one of my favorites uh mxpx is late again uh yes <laughs> seamless version i love mxpx oh my god <laughs> Iconic. <laughs> so glad this is real. Yeah, that's that's something that I actually had no idea about until wow. friend of the show Marty Thompson uh, let me know that he. I told him that we we're recording the Sims episode this week, and he said, "Dude, you gotta talk about MXPX." So. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now i actually like mxpx like i don't know if like that's not a joke like people know i love pop punk i love simple plan i unironically love those bands so mxpx great band i'm so glad that that exists that's hilarious i think we should re-record this entire show in simlish i think so i, I agree with that <laughs> oh well annika is there anything else you would like to talk about for these sims games before we let you go um, I think I've pretty much covered everything. The only other thing that I can think of is another another great experience that I had was summoning the social services worker to take away my child <laughs> while the Grim Reaper also coming to take someone's life. You summoned the social so ser- service worker? Or like your neighbors do? Because that's not <laughs> well, really... Well, <laughs> no, it's, it's if, uh, if you basically just don't do anything with your baby or child for a while, if you don't feed them or anything, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> social services will come and take your child away. Um, so I did that. And at the same time, I guess I also killed someone. So I had them wow. both on my front lawn. Uh, that was a good day. Did the Grim Reaper then kill the social service workers? Um, I was hoping that that would happen. I think I think at that time, I also like tried to take away my door <laughs> so they couldn't come in and work. <laughs> they can just pass right through walls. They're like uh, Kitty Pride. Mm-hmm. There you yeah, go. Yeah, somehow. That's funny. But yeah, so that, was, that, was a, that was a good day. Great cool. day. Well, thanks so much for coming on, Annika. We really appreciate your insight into this hilarious franchise. And uh, we will see you very soon, I hope. Very soon. Babla ha. Babla ha. <laughs> Babla ha. Uh, sorry, Sul Sul. <laughs> what a nice young lady. What a nice young lady. Thank you so much, Annika, for coming on today and uh, talking about The Sims and the pets and the Grim Reaper. Why isn't there a Grim Reaper expansion where you get to play as the Grim Reaper? Yeah, there isn't. He was just in the game. I think there are not enough games where you get to play as the Grim Reaper. <laughs> yeah, that's something that we have to fix. We need more games for our Halloween-themed episode this year, Neil. Definitely. The Grim Reaper was, like, a hot thing for the early 2000s. Like, he was on, like, a bunch of things. Like, you know, stickers. People had t-shirts with the Grim Reaper. We had the Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy. He was in Family Guy, voiced by Norm MacDonald. Yeah, there was a moment where the Grim Reaper was, like, a character in pop <laughs> culture. And then he just kind of went away. Maybe because the world just got a little too dark. I like to think Blue Oyster Cult started that. 
Maybe. <laughs> Hate me today. Oh, that's Blue October. Damn what? it. No, I'm talking about <laughs> Fear the Reaper. The cowbell. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I went to Blue October there. Was... Jeez. <laughs> All right, Mike, before we close out this episode, though, we do have two Sims games that we didn't really talk about with Annika because these weren't on PC. These were console-exclusive versions of The Sims. We had The Herbs, Sims in the City, and then we also had The Sims Bustin' Out. Yes, so those games are actually, uh, surprisingly, a lot of people played those games that I know, which is weird. And they're good. Like, they're good games. They're good. Mm-hmm. They're what? different. They're not good for the same reasons as The Sims. Like, yes. So, yeah. So, The Sims Bustin' Out. Sorry. Yeah, let's talk about the, that one. The Sims Bustin' Out. So, it's a game on the GameCube. It's also on all the other consoles, Game Boy Advance. Actually, a fun fact about it, it's compatible with the Game Boy Advance version. Uh, so, if you hook up your Game Boy Advance to your GameCube, you there's an arcade machine in the game, and then it allows you to play four mini games on your Game Boy Advance, and your Sims are transferable between your Game Boy Advance version and your GameCube version. I want to know how many people had both versions of the game to do this. <laughs> Me too, right? <laughs> Jeez. So, the console versions of The Sims, so The Herbs and Bustin' Out, it kind of feels like the Tony Hawk Underground version of The Sims, uh, where yeah. you, you know you can you're kind of pushed along a storyline it's the the graphics and the way you play are obviously very much created for the consoles and the consoles only um that was the big thing that i saw when i was watching gameplay of this it where the sims one and two definitely feel like they were they i mean they were remastered versions but they they were closer to being ports Mm -hmm. um and they definitely felt like ports where busting out and herbs felt like games on their own that were meant for these systems and, and kind of had a little bit more of an end goal in mind. Like consoles weren't yes. really the place where you would go to play open-ended open-ended games. That wasn't really a thing you used consoles for back in the 2000s other than no. something like Animal Crossing. Like you weren't waiting for Roller Coaster Tycoon to play on your GameCube. You wanted to play something with a definitive end, which they did give The Sims Bustin' Out. There was like a little bit of a story to it and – uh, there's a, like a career mode and and whatnot, and yeah, because there's a free play mode that you can do with uh with the uh, busting out that kind of brings you back to original Sims. Right. It kind of it kind of combined a bunch of the expansion packs of The Sims One, being The Sims Hot Date, Superstar, and Live and Large, and kind of made this one package for consoles that you could play with a definitive end. And then there was the Herbs Sims in the City, which was more. It, it kind of went away from the Sims. God sim and life sim uh, genre and made it more of like a almost like an RPG where you had to expand your popularity points and and be liked amongst other people which was horrible for people with <laughs> any sort of self-esteem issues yeah that one that one feels uh, I actually watched a couple of reviews on it from when it, when it actually came out in 2004 I think it is or 2005 yep. but uh, it, it just these reviews are obviously not that kind to it uh, they're basically saying it's like TLDR. This game was made for teenage girls. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like it, it does feel very pandering, and it's also like there's a lot of stuff that goes on in that game that is not great, and there's no way this kind of game would be able to be made today. Yeah, it just it just feels like a game that's just centered around. I thought it was honestly looking at the box art of the game. I thought it was a brats game. Yes, yes, that's that's what it feels like, and then but like very, it feels very weird. Like it, it's got it's got a lot of the jackass humor in it. Yeah, it's a very uh, raunchy Sims game very, that just yeah. feels like like if if what what would happen if eighteen year old guys had dolls? You yeah, know? Like it's just that type <laughs> of game. And I'm just looking at the cover right now. It's super weird. The girl's got like a ten inch waist. Yeah, it's kind of it's really creepy. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 not great to go back to play for sure. No, and it it rated pretty bad and i mean it was seven like it was the lowest rated sims game of the five which 
probably is right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, these games are console games, but they don't really fit the Sims mold, and I'd say fall flat in terms of expectations that you would have for other Sims games and just having that free play mode. Because I'm really glad that even the Sims couldn't escape the adventure <laughs> like mode yeah. that everyone had to have in like 2004, 2005. It was we, one of the checkmarked boxes that you had to have on the back of your box, you know, a fully you know realized career mode with 16 original levels and voice acting. <laughs> it was just something you had to have on the back of your game to yeah. sell it, even though they had this lightning in a bottle, which they've managed to go back and, and, they, they just release this not the same game every year but they release a very similar game on a fairly regular basis i think what are they up to now sims 5 is sims 4 and sims 5 will probably be coming out at some point but definitely yeah. why wouldn't it <laughs> at this point yeah it's definitely not an experience that you want to see on a console unless your console has that dual screen or a mouse compatibility like, like having a ds or the switch or the, the wii u actually probably would have worked yeah but just something to to play along as if you have a mouse and keyboard on your lap and not with a joystick and a d-pad yep no for sure for sure yeah yep so mike uh, of these five games which one would you say you'd recommend the folks pick up well i probably wouldn't recommend the folks pick up anything for the gamecube that that is sims but if i was going to pick a sims game i would probably recommend picking up sims 2 that is probably the most fully fleshed out game uh sims 2 pets is also pretty good because you get the ability to do things with pets uh, and it literally is sims 2 if you can find that for cheap you know i would say that's a good game to to pick up but uh the sims kind of really ended up peaking at sims 3 and that's kind of where the best version of the sims came out Okay. So I probably would have recommended picking that up for, for PC if you really gotcha. want to have the, the perfect Sims experience. But Sims 2, obviously, is also an excellent game. I'd probably say the same thing as well. Sims 2 of these five games would be the one to pick up on PC. All of the PC version of Sims, I believe, are on Steam. So they're they're pretty easy to, to find yeah. out there. Uh, very cheap. You can probably even find them at, you know, your, your cousin probably has a copy floating around their attic. Or something like that. <laughs> something else that I wanted to just say that the game was also inspired by, which I might try and pick up, are a couple of books uh, that uh, Will Wright read that were inspirations. One is called A Pattern Language, which is a book on architecture, urban design, and community livability. Yes. And then there was another one, which was the 1993 book Understanding Comics, which explores formal aspects of comics and uh, the historical development of the medium, uh, and then a bunch of vocabulary and uh, things like that. So it's just two books that don't really have anything to do directly with The Sims, but just it would be interesting to read those books and try and find the the parallels between the novels, or the, I guess they're not novels, but the books, the books and the yeah. games. Yeah, understanding comics is something that I've seen many times and heard about, and it was referenced in some of my university courses, um, but I've never read it myself. So when I actually did research as well and I saw that book come up, I was like, oh, that's really interesting that he was inspired by this. So yeah, very cool. I think that that's just a, a good thing that you and I both have is that when we find these games, we don't just want to play the games in the series or the games themselves. We, we kind of find these books or these movies or these bands outside of the games that we mm -hmm. get into because you and I, we love all those things. And I just hope that the listeners kind of take that with them too, that there's other 
influences that even game developers have outside of video games that make them want to make these games. Like I did finally pick up the Philip K. Dick book, The Minority Report, so I'm looking forward to reading that very soon. And uh, my girlfriend and I are watching the X-Men movies over again because we were talking about them a few weeks ago. Nice. It's a lot of fun watching those game movies again. But, <laughs> yeah, there's so many other things that just tie video games into pop culture, and it's fun to find them. And just to find these two novels from 1997 and 1993 that ended up becoming The Sims is super interesting to me. Yeah, no, for sure. And I guess my question to you, Neil, is where do you see The Sims going? Clearly, it's a franchise that has had millions and millions of users over the years. It's got a huge market for casual users and obviously female gamers, too. Um, and something that they've kind of just been keeping on since 2000. Uh, obviously, there will be a Sims 5 at some point in the future because of the money that can be made from it. But uh, yeah, wh what are your thoughts on the future of the franchise? So The Sims going forward, I think I just see it. We're going to see a Sims 5. We're going to see a Sims 6. It's just sure. so easy for EA to make these life simulation games that appeal to audiences, young and old. It's a very actually heartwarming. Sometimes I see on youtube or tiktok or whatever it is of old people playing games and there, there's a lot of there's this one famous grandma on youtube who has thousands of hours in animal crossing and i, I saw one video while i was researching this show of a grandma who has every copy and expansion of the sims and she was just <laughs> standing next to her stack of pc wow. and wii games so this game appeals to just so many people that i don't want to see it go away because it, it gives people who might not play any other video game in their lives just this option to to get into video games, even though it's not this game with a campaign and a, and a plot and voice acting and people complaining about crunch time. It's just this game that people played because they like it. So yeah. I hope it doesn't go away just for those people more so than EA to make lots of money from it. I love the simplicity of The Sims. I think that's what it's all about. And I love the desire by Will Wright to create something like this and, and, pro and all the flack that he had to take to actually get this game going was just crazy so I'm I gotta we I think we all owe a debt of gratitude to him to, for creating this genre really uh, that didn't exist beforehand I do wish that the Sims would kind of go back to its roots in terms of the Sims 2 and Sims 3 Sims 4 is very mobile game esque you know it's it's very not that polished uh, it's you know uh, playing it the other day looking at kind of how it looks on the tablet is it, it doesn't it just feels like it doesn't feel like max has made it you know it feels like just some random developer made this this knockoff version of the sims and you're like oh wow it is actually the sims mm, <laughs> so that's yeah it kind of sad to see that I, it would be nice to for them to go back a little bit in terms of um, what they used to do and the zaniness of it all as well and but um yeah uh, we'll we'll see it we'll see it come up over and over again for sure in the next decade I think I think you're totally right about going back to basics. It's again the the original idea was a dollhouse. Like you're a kid wanting to make your dream home with a pool table and a hot tub. Like that that's really all it is. You don't have to add all these insane things. It's nice as expansion packs, but as a base game, I think it's fun to just be able to make your home make it nicer graphics and different sound effects and <laughs> random other animals that are maybe trendy at the time, like add some different breeds of dogs or maybe TV shows that they can watch, just something similar to modern day trends that kids are growing up with now. I think The Sims 2 is just so unique because of the, it's just so silly and it doesn't take itself seriously. Right. And I think that's something that they really worked hard on between Sims and SimCity. Where SimCity is just, you know, very flat. It's like, you know, it, you're just there to make your city and whatever, right? You, you, there's not, there's none of these fun jokes or, or, or like these weird characters in it. It's really just what you make of it. Um, but The Sims is, is, it adds another layer of personality and characteristic 
to this game it's very much like animal crossing does um animal crossing's localization obviously is the best i've ever seen in a game uh, and it is so funny with their puns and the way that they address uh, the characters and the massive amount of dialogue they have um and the sims is it does a similar thing obviously not with the dialogue with simlish <laughs> but just right. the way that they address everything and the way that they everything is very lighthearted and you know even with the killing of people ha- having a lot of secrets having the grim reaper show up uh, stuff like that is so unique. I-, I I can never see another franchise pulling that off correctly. So it's um yeah, that's just my my little love letter to to the way that The Sims operates. I don't think I could say it better myself, Mike. So uh, <laughs> why don't I uh, read the back of the cases for these games, and then we'll uh, we'll close out the episode. Sounds good. It's time to read what's on the back of the case. There's things written on the back of the case. Let's read them. And now we're reading. The back of the case. Alright, so Sims 1, get a life. It's time you moved out of your mom's house and spread your wings as a Sim. You'll need to find a job, a roommate, and a new place to live. Meet life's challenges, and you can meet your soulmate and retire to the ultimate party mansion. This is funny, like that's the weird back of the case. That's never what I would have put on that back no, of the case. It's also very ironic that it's like it's time to move out of your mom's house and stay in your mom's house and play a video game. <laughs> <laughs> Time for the Sims busting out. Pack your bags, travel to wild new locations, meet unique people, unlock hundreds of new objects and social moves, and get into all sorts of trouble. Or try free play mode for tons of open-ended gameplay. Either way, you might never go home again. Now we have the herbs with a Z, Sims in the city. (laughs) City living for your Sims. Get street cred, build your rep using deviant or positive actions to become the city's biggest player, gaining access to the hottest people and places. City settings, take your herbs to the VIP club, tattoo parlor, and other hot spots. Work and live 24-7, control your herbs at nine different jobs like chop, like chop shop or piercing parlor. Dress to thrill, Ch- change your look from punk to rap, it affects how the world reacts to you. Diverse lifestyles in nine districts. Where you start shapes your city life and how you earn your rep. That that back of the case is so cringe. That basically just like explains why that game is so cringe. That was hard to read. It's because it's so hard to explain. I, guess I know. Just... And then we have The Sims 2, a new way to play with life. Create your Sims, directly control every move. Design dream homes, more than 350 objects. Last but not least, The Sims Pets. Create your perfect pets for your Sims. Create Sims and control their lives. Then choose from popular dog and cat breeds, or create a unique pet for your Sims to train, play with, and love. These pets have minds of their their own, so expect the unexpected. I didn't know you could create your own unique pet. That's interesting. I don't remember that. I just remember the 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 like the dog and the cat. But maybe you can. I don't know. I hope you can create your own crossbreeds. That sounds like the most fun. <laughs> you can definitely make cats look like dogs and dogs oh. look like cats. So okay. Yeah. I heard an interesting term the other day is that uh, a goose is a cobra chicken. A cobra chicken? Yeah, for like a Canadian goose. Yeah, I like that. That's that's like... true. They, they are as dangerous as cobras. They are, and they look like a mix between a cobra and a chicken. <laughs> I thought it was funny. <laughs> anyway, Mike, why don't you let the listeners know what they can expect on episode 37 of the GameCube School podcast? On episode 37, we are finally doing a cartoon episode, Neil, and we are doing it about all the Nickelodeon games. Finally. And... This will be our 200th game that will be covered during that episode. Which Sweet. one is it? I don't remember. <laughs> but it's one of the Nickelodeon games. So can you believe that, Neil? 200 games. That's crazy. That's uh, that's wild. 
As yeah, well. we're, get, we're getting close to halfway there. Uh, 200 games. Again, we don't know which game it's going to be. We do change the order of games as we uh, develop the show. I'm excited to talk about Nickelodeon games from this era because I think a lot of nostalgia for Nickelodeon is the 90s, rightfully so. That is the best. But there were some really good 2000s Nickelodeon shows. I think of SpongeBob as a 2000s uh, Nick show, which came out in 99. But we're not going to be talking about SpongeBob next week. That's going to be its own episode. Yes. Uh, Mike, Mike and I love SpongeBob, so we have to give that its own spotlight, There's also obviously. five SpongeBob games, too. Yeah. <laughs> so We're already covering 10 Nickelodeon games next week, so... <laughs> park it <laughs> exactly so then some of the franchises are rugrats uh the rocket power which are the rugrats kind of like that's the same animators uh fairly odd parents uh we got the nicktoons uh series yeah i'm really excited to to talk about just obviously the games but just nickelodeon in general in that era yeah, Nickelodeon from when we were kids. But until then, this was episode 36 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. New episodes every Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the other podcast services. Leave us ratings and reviews so we can make the show better. We're the number one GameCube podcast on the internet. Follow us on Instagram at the GameCube Pod and check out our website, thegamecubewascool.com. Download us on your phone, PC, PSP, and tell Alexa Neil says hi. Seriously, though, help us get to 10,000 downloads before the end of February. Thank you so much for your support, and we will see you next week. Sool, sool. Bye-bye. GameCube. Over 600 games you've never heard of. GameCube. The product of what happens when you think inside the box. GameCube.